0: Hi, and welcome to On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. I'm Eric Dawson. And I'm really excited to have Iskara Jimenez here to share her journey. She's a social entrepreneur, a wonder woman of the spirit, and the founder of LaborX, an organization that connects people left out of the knowledge economy to jobs in tech. It's been called the LinkedIn for the linked out. Iskara, welcome. Thank you. I'd love to just start by having you tell us about your journey.
1: So my journey begins in a small village in the Dominican Republic. I was born in the north, not too far from the Haitian border. We came to the U.S. when I was four. I'm the youngest of five kids. And it was a big change for me coming um, into the Bronx where I went from Basically having a village to myself, I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted. You know, we were, everyone was looking out for each other. Um, and here, um, we were in a building where, you know, you can go out and play during the day, but at night, you know, there were a whole bunch of restrictions. Um, and so I think from a from a very young age, I started rebelling against... Systems and rules and you know in many different ways, but I Don't know that that I didn't know that that's what I was doing then so fast forward to high school um, You know I used to hang out with my best friend in the public school library and maybe uh, Tutoring kids became like a natural extension of you know how I was spending my time after school um, I got into Columbia And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is like my big break for me and my family. I'm gonna go to Wall Street, make a lot of money. And, you know, that's kind of what I went to do. When I got to Columbia, majored in economics, started learning about supply and demand, did my first internship, did my second one, and hated it. Mm. I worked at J.P. Morgan and just was stifled. I remember I wanted to learn how to trade. I found someone to mentor me. And my supervisor was like, you know, you're distracting other people. Like, just do this newsletter and stay in your seat. And I was like, but I want to learn and I want to do so much more. And so that was my turning point. It's like, okay, finance is not going to happen for me. Um, I'm too much of a wild spirit to to thrive in this space. You know, I went into sales, uh, not into finance, and found myself doing something that I thought I was good at, building relationships and convincing people, you know, to buy ad space, but for something that didn't feel very meaningful. And I, and that started to depress me after doing it for nine months. So now I know what I'm good at. I'm good at business, I guess. I'm good at relationship building at sales at convincing people to do things. But I need to do this for something that that means a lot to me that I can get really passionate, you know, that that I can be passionate about. So my second job out of college was working for a high-impact tutoring company. Mm. And basically I was sent back to the types of schools that I went to to bring private tutoring to children like me, and I remember thinking, wow, I would have killed for, you know, a private tutor to help me understand things. Um, And so sure enough, I thrived in that job. And what was really appealing about this job, they were looking to attract the best talent Mm -hmm. and they were paying them, you know, what Wall Street was paying in terms of base salary and they were doing bonuses too. And so, you know, for, for first generation folks who go to college and who go to these elite schools, it's a really tough decision to not go make that money for yourself and for your family. And so the fact that they paid people really well and people were doing something that they loved and that meant something to them to me was like the best environment that I'd ever worked in and then I remember when I got my first bonus um I was like wow I've never seen this much money in my life it was like 30 grand or something and I was like what am I gonna do with this you know I can go to grad school I can buy a home like I'm you know the American dream is seeming so close and so possible and one of the founders of that company, um, another you know, Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean uh, gentleman, he said, you know, people like you and me who, who are lucky enough to have access to the things we have access to, we have a responsibility and a duty because a lot of people can't do the work that we can. They don't have the access Um, that we do, I know you want to help yourself and help your family. But, you know, as a community, as a people, we're never going to stop being oppressed if we don't shatter systems and go build new systems that serve our people. And I remember that being like the heaviest thing anyone ever told me. It just felt like this burden um, of responsibility that, that I couldn't argue with. So that was kind of the moment where I was just like, oh, like I just kind of slouched and I was like, he's right and I think you know that's when a, like a, a life of social service became very clear to me that that's how I was going to lead the rest of my life whether it was you know as an entrepreneur or you know working in the private or the public sector it didn't matter but it was like this view and at that point I don't know that we were talking about systems change yet. I don't know if that's the language that we use but that's you know I I think that was a spirit of of his call to action for me. Um, He's like, you know, we need to own stuff so that we can build stuff for our people. And so I was just like, oh, my God, okay, let's go do that then. Um, And so I deferred going to grad school. You know, I was kind of on this track of what you were supposed to do. You go to college, you work for two or three years, you make good money, you go back to grad school, you come out, you make more money. Um, And so I started traveling on this road that, you know, that I hadn't seen people around me travel, per se. And so I didn't know how I, you know, how do you do this? This was also the height of the, or the beginning, I guess, of the Great Recession when I decided to quit my great job. And my mom has never forgiven me for quitting my job.
0: So I'm struck by two things. One is you actually have in that story competing obligations, Right, there's an obligation to your family, um, which is about a, a, a tremendous amount of struggle to give you opportunities, and then what you do with that to help raise your family's financial status. And then there's the obligation to your community, and how do you create those opportunities for many other people. So one is a very private obligation to the the people who are your family and your kin, and then the obligation to your to your people. And then I guess there's a third one you're talking about too, which is an obligation to justice. How do you wrestle that? Like, what was that conversation with, with mom like?
1: Well, so I remember I had already committed to chip in to help my mom buy a house. And for me, it was just like, oh my God, like, how do I take care of myself? Help take care of, you know, my mom who provided these opportunities for us and my family. And now I'm being like, Ta- like, there's a call to action to, you know, sure, we can help people one-on-one or individually or help our family, and that gives us a sense of 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 accomplishment, of pride. Um, but what good is it in the long run if our family's doing okay when our neighbor's not doing okay? And, you know, my family doesn't always—my mom doesn't always understand that. She's just like, I don't understand why you had this big break you know, you went to this, like, grade school, and you were making, like, such good money. Um, you know, I was, like, making six figures when I was, like, 22, 23. That's, like, you know, for someone who's still making minimum wage, it's just, like, a crime against humanity. <laughs> like, um, And so I think, you know, it, it's probably created some tension. It's just, like, I, you know, like, I don't get my daughter 100%. I mean, I know she's smart and... But she does a lot of crazy things, yeah, that I don't always understand. But to me, I, I kind of started seeing patterns, right? You, you you, start going from, okay, here are the problems that I experienced and my brother experienced. Um, you're like, you know, this is not a coincidence that everyone who looks like my brother, you know, I'm the exception. Um, and I don't want to live in a world of, 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 of exceptions. Um, I want to live in a world where where everyone can do, you know, what I did and what I... I'm not special. I actually don't think I'm special. Um, There are people who are smarter than me, harder working than me, more driven, more brilliant. That's not to say that I'm not any of those things, but, um, you know, this this cult of, like, exceptionalism. And, like, I I don't buy into it, and I think it's... um, They've let some of us in um, to kind of keep the system the way it is.
0: I'm Eric Dawson. This is On Course, and I'm speaking with Iskayra Jimenez, founder of LaborX. We'll be back with more after a short break.
1: On Course is produced by Echoing Green. For more than 30 years, Echoing Green has been on the front lines of solving the world's biggest problems. We find emerging leaders with the best ideas for social innovation as early as possible and set them on a path to lifelong impact. Our community of almost 1,000 social innovators includes past fellows like First Lady Michelle Obama, major public figures like Van Jones, and the founders of organizations like Teach for America and One Acre Fund. Built and refined over 30 years, our process discovers tomorrow's leaders today. Join us as we support a new generation of social impact leaders. Learn more at echoinggreen.org.
0: Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson, and this is On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. Today I'm speaking with Iskara Jimenez, founder of LaborX. So there's this classic immigrant story where your mom worked really hard to create opportunities, and therefore created a daughter that she doesn't understand. Yes. And you've kept at it. So, talk to me about labor X and and that moment where, and I imagine it's probably moments of obligations because working for social change is is a daily yes yeah. to the obligation. But tell tell me about labor X and that moment and what you're trying to build there.
1: Yeah, so I think with Labor X, it was a a combination of a bunch of different things that happened while I was growing up, of me having these realizations that systems are failing the people that I love, whether it's my brother or my neighbor um, or someone who I haven't met that is in the same situation. And so... For the most part, everyone's my f in my family has done has done well. But my oldest brother who kinda came here at this crucial age, right? Of this crucial age where I was having all these realizations going from high school to college, he came as an honors student, someone who was hardworking, who had a lot, you know, to give and to offer, and was failed by the education system because he was left back to the ninth grade. Like I tell people, you know, he needed to learn English, he didn't need to learn biology and physics and calculus right. all over again. And so that system failed him. He went into the workforce and started being underemployed and, you know, and unemployed, couldn't take care of himself and his family. Um, And like a lot of people who find themselves in the situation, um, he got desperate. And seeing him trying to make it in a world where systems are not built for you to thrive um, started shaping me. And so by the time I got out of college, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and invest in the public school system that that helped me thrive to help more people like my brother maybe get back on a traditional pathway. And so when I went into that business, I started learning about the public education complex, let's call it, and, and quickly started seeing that the success of children and young adults wasn't driving everyone there. It wasn't driving decisions. And so People were, you know, young people were being failed in this country by design. It wasn't like, you know, unintentional. It's like the way we fund schools are based on property taxes. And so if you're not paying property taxes or you're paying low, you know, your schools are going to be underfunded. Um And so I I left this illusion from from that work, but also with this epiphany that, like, these systems are not working for people. And instead of—and I don't know that we can fix them. Maybe we can. Maybe there are other—but I am very um, impatient, and I can't wait a couple of generations until the federal government decides to, like, you know, redesign the way they teach young people. There needs to be another system where people can thrive, Um, outside of this traditional education system. Um, And this is when I started getting into workforce, uh, education to employment, workforce development. So how can someone like my brother who doesn't have, you know, a degree get a good job based on his skills? Like, you know, after being hired a few times by different companies after you got through that door, it really didn't matter whether you had a degree or not, where you went to school or not. It it mattered how hard you were willing to work, how quickly you were willing to learn. And so I started imagining a place where someone, you know, like my brother could be hired into any organization. Uh, And so I thought, you know, how do you start finding people based on, uh, on their abilities and their competencies? And so that's led me to Labor X. I started first with like trying to figure out how to help train people in a different way and realize, you know what, there's actually a really big training ecosystem in this country. What needs to change is the hiring culture and making it easier for employers to find this talent because you can't find it on LinkedIn, you can't find it on Monster and Indeed. All these things have algorithms that are looking for a couple of keywords. Your school name, your GPA, your extracurricular. And so all of that's already a system that's shutting out two-thirds of the workforce. Who doesn't, you know, two-thirds of the workforce doesn't have a four-year degree. And so if you didn't go to college, You're not going to have, you know, quote, unquote, extracurricular, like the traditional extracurriculars or a GPA or, you know, a bachelor's degree. So how do we really start hiring people based on what they can do and not these social proofs on what access you had to get into what school and who you know who's putting in a good word for you? Because in essence, you know, it's a LinkedIn study that says 88 percent of jobs are sourced through friends and family. It's the worst possible way to hire, I think.
0: I'm Eric Dawson, this is On Course, and I'm speaking with Iskaira Jimenez, founder of LaborX. We'll be back with more after a short break. On Course is presented as part of the Inclusive Leadership Initiative. With support from the City Foundation, Echoing Green launched the Inclusive Leadership Initiative to expand its support of leaders that represent and work with communities of color. Together, Echoing Green and the City Foundation are supporting the next generation of leaders who are helping create economic and social opportunities for young women and men of color across the United States. Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson and this is On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. Today I'm speaking with Iskaya Jimenez, founder of Labor X. We talked about competing obligations one of the things I find in our field of social entrepreneurship is people often talk about how social entrepreneurs have to be all in, right? Like that's the language. Like it's all in. You got to eat, sleep, drink your project. And the structures around social entrepreneurship reinforce that. The funding community, the fellowships, the narratives. How do you see this playing out in your own life, in your own work? And- amongst your colleagues?
1: So I think that advice and, you know, that framework is really problematic and self-destructive. It's problematic because it assumes a, a, a world of privilege that has for a long time defined who can be an entrepreneur, whether you're a social entrepreneur or a traditional entrepreneur. This myth of, you know, dropping out of college and working out of your parents' garage my parents don't own a home. They don't have a garage. I have to help my mom buy a house. <coughs> a. Um, B. People, you know, th- like me can't afford, you know, if, if we got into college and we can actually finish, you know, we can't afford to drop out. So, you know, the the the, the Zuckerberg uh, gates uh, ethos is just I don't think it's true and I think it's actually destructive. This all in myth, right? So, that was a myth that I walked into when I built my first enterprise, which was um, La Pregunta Arts Cafe. It was an arts cafe in Harlem. I, I alluded to getting this bonus back when I was at the education company. My bonus plus my savings, I'd saved up $50,000, which I haven't seen $50,000 since since that time. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like 25, 24, $50,000 in the bank. I also... One good thing I did when I was in banking, you know, I got into like investing in stocks and I bought Apple stocks at $9 a share, only $1,000 worth. But, you know, and this myth of like, you know, I went out, tried to raise money. I, I got a loan. It wasn't enough. So, you know, I put all my money in. I um, sold my stocks. I I basically did everything I wish I hadn't done. I basically stopped taking care of myself. And and my security, I moved out. I couldn't pay rent. So I moved, you know, I started bouncing around with family for some time. I had had bought an apartment and, you know, I had to move out of it like six months later because I couldn't afford my own mortgage. And and I basically went all in to my cafe. And fast forward, you know, three, four years later, you know, who also knew that this was going to be the the Great Recession? You know, there were people out there rigging systems for not for people like me not to thrive right but you know it was a horrible time to open a brick and mortar business people weren't going out eating spend, you know drinking spending money and so the business failed and what did that mean for me that meant that I was now in debt um, defaulted on a loan that I took out for my business that I put you know I was an LLC so I was also getting like terrible, you know, legal advice. It was the advice that I could afford and that I had close to me. So I was like, now personally liable for, you know, this loan. I'd put all my money in. I, you know, my, I wasn't sleeping. I was basically working from like 8 a.m. till 4 a.m. And I, I, I left that experience at a very low point thinking, oh my God, like, why did I listen, you know, to anyone who told me to, like, go all in and not take care of my health, you know, my finances, all, you know, so I basically came out of that. And I was like, okay, well, let me take this time to regroup, go to school, go to grad school. This might be a good time to go to grad school and kind of learn some. Let me figure out how to actually play the system because I've done this before, the education. Now let me figure out how to, like, play the system in a way where, I can try and thrive, but that also where I don't lose my health, my sanity, my, you know, my net worth, uh, which was very negative at that, you know, at that point. And, uh, you know, this vow of, like, entrepreneurship being, like, poverty, a vow of poverty, I think it's um, it's very misguided. So, you know, I kind of went in with a—I went into grad school, and I was like, I'm going to give this a second shot, but I'm going to do this no- if, if and only if— you know there are systems supporting me. There are communities supporting me. There is funding to support me. Um, and so, had Echo and Green not come through, I wasn't going to do this because I thought, you know, it's not only I need to be able to pay rent and feed myself and pay my loans. Um, and I've I've given myself a framework of okay, I'm doing this six months at a time. Um, and and the needle needs to be moving. I'm okay with it moving slowly um, But it needs to be moving and I need to be able um, to get other people to do this with me um, In order to continue to do it because doing this alone is not the way
0: There's this powerful model where you have this very clear obligation to your family like that's where you started and then that expanded to to really taking your community and really um community with a capital C, right? It's the systems that that needed to change. Um, But now you've expanded even further to include an obligation to yourself. Yeah. um, To your health, to your financial well-being, to um, your spiritual well-being. And and so I'm curious if, if you could sit down with yourself 20 years ago, what would you want to talk about?
1: I would start here this place of taking care of myself first. Um, so I remember reading this book on the virtue of selfishness. Um, and that's kind of the first time I was introduced to this concept of like, I was dating someone also, you know, very different um, background than I did. and And, you know, his framework, he was like, you know, when you invest in yourself and you're doing what's best for you, That's what's best for the world. And I had a hard time buying into that, uh, particularly with the frame that he was giving me and, you know, the books that I was reading. And I was like, there might be like a (laughs) kernel issue, but this is not the way to do it. Um, So I would go back 20 years and say to myself, you know what? You can't help your family, your community. Um, You can't help blow up and build new systems if you are not whole hmm. if you know if the things that you need to fuel you are not all there and so you need to start there hmm. uh whether you know it's a, a spiritual connection uh, you know some people need to work out every single day some people need time to read to travel to watch reality tv whatever it is that like Um, keeps you going centered you need to invest in that yourself you know like all all of the health the mental you know the physical the the emotional start there and I think if if that's if you have that foundation you're going to be in a better position to serve your family and your community and the world at large but it starts with self
0: so let's say that you couldn't be doing what you're doing now can be doing anything in this field. What would you do instead if you could do anything?
1: Something that I, that hopefully in 20 years I'll be doing, which is teaching. So, you know, I have a handful of teachers who, who are life changing for me, who helped me make decisions or made decisions for me that put me in a place to thrive. You know, one one teacher, Peter Tars is his name, has in college, sorry, in high school, and I saw some flyer to go to some open house to go to Columbia. No one in my college, you know, prep team, and I was in the honors program in high school, told me to apply to, you know. Like, REACH school was maybe like a state school. <laughs> no one was telling me to apply necessarily to an Ivy League school. Um, and I said, hey, you know, there's an info session at 3 o'clock at Columbia. Um, can I skip your class um, to go to it? And he was like, sure, but I don't think even if you skip my class you're going to get there in time. Here's 20 bucks. Take a taxi to oh. make sure you make it there on time. And so it's little acts like this that, like, then lead to, you know, so then I show up. And there are three students speaking at this, you know, two of them who are Dominican, a woman and a, and a young man. And I was like, wow, they're Dominicans at they Columbia? Like, you know, I, I immediately saw myself there. And the young man was like, do you want a tour of the campus? Let me give you a tour. And he followed up with me. This was maybe like in, in November. And so the deadline was early January. So he follows up with me in December and he's like, have you submitted your application? And I was like, yeah, no, I don't think, you know. He was like, you have to submit your application. You don't have a choice. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) He was like, yeah, no, I need you to do this for me. Are you grateful that I, you know, that you met me and I gave you a tour? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, then do me this solid. Just put it in. Don't worry about it, but you have to do this. And I was like, all right, I guess I do. And so I did, and so it was like all these little moments of people that kind of interacted with me that, you know, kind of pulled me along. And so they all came either as a direct result of being my teacher, you know, Patricia Bruno, another my ninth grade English teacher, took me to the theater for the first time. So, you know, I had something to write about or something to talk about or something that helped me stand out when I got to college. I knew this. Was, she helped me meet Wendy Wasserstein, who's a you know, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. And when I got to to college, people were like, you know when, like, wh- who are you? You know, it's just like, and so th- these little things of people like helping me be in the right place or, you know, you know, allowing me or pulling me or forcing me to be. And so I think having that one-on-one impact on someone's life is something that I want to end my life with. You know, I want to try and build better systems first, and kind of start with 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 community capital C, and then end up in a place where I can do this more one on one the way it was done with me.
0: I love it, Iscara. Thank you for sharing your journey. Uh, thank you for um, sharing your moments of obligation, and for uh, bringing us along.
1: Thank you for having me, Eric. <music>
0: To find out more about Echoing Green, go to echoinggreen.org. Don't miss any of our episodes. Subscribe where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating so other listeners can find us. I'm Eric Dawson. Stay on course.